Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I was overcome with uh, anticipation. I had no idea what they were going to say. None. Zero. It was so exciting. I was watching cable news, all of them, and they brought in Democrats, and they brought in Republicans, and they asked them, how do you think it's going to turn out on Monday, that would be tomorrow, when the Electoral College decides who the next president of the United States is going to be, because they have the final say. 538 people. I had no idea what the Democrats were going to say, and I had no idea what the Republicans were going to say. What a waste of television time. So we're going to be speaking with one of the electors in the next hour. And uh, he's received the pleading, and you heard some of the Hollywood stars, um, or, or former stars, we played a bit of that for you yesterday. We'll play a little more of it today as they try to persuade the, uh, the electors to not vote for Trump, those who are committed to Donald Trump, according to the, uh, the voting in their districts in the states. 30 of the 50 states went for Trump, as you know. So we'll talk to one of the, uh, one of the Republican electors who is definitely not going to change his mind and has received the entreaties and the pleading, and you can be a patriot and do, it, do the right thing and not vote for Donald Trump or... If you do, we'll come and kill you. It's kind of like polar opposites. So um, Michael Benarian is going to be joining us, and uh, he was with us, I think, three or four weeks ago when this first started to really percolate, this College of Electors issue. So that's in our next hour. We'll also have uh, three Canadians, actually four, but three patients, cancer patients, and you've heard them individually on this program who left to this country to seek treatment elsewhere because it wasn't going to be offered to them here. Pancreatic cancer surgery with a nano knife procedure that was done for Mayor Hector McMillan from uh, Trent Hills in Ontario. And uh, Dwayne Eckert from Saskatchewan, his son Sean, will be joining us. The uh, pancreatic nano knife cancer surgery done in Germany by Professor Matthias Bert was on the air with us last weekend. I'll play back that uh, interview with the surgeon who will do the nanonite pancreatic surgery that isn't done here because the provinces don't support it. They say it's experimental. He's done more than 100, but here it's experimental. Mike Massadi will be with us with his son Justin, 17 years of age, with um, brain cancer, 
inoperable, told here that it was terminal, and the only thing that they could do for him was more than less palliative chemotherapy. This is what Mike told us. Well, they went to Mexico in Tijuana, and uh, it's costing them $10,000 a week, but Justin has put on 40 pounds. He's on his feet. He's exercising, whereas he was just unable to get out of bed and uh, had shriveled to 120 pounds before they left for Mexico. So they'll all be joining us, and we'll talk about this issue and take calls. But we're going to begin the, uh, the show today. Oh, uh, Mark and Jody Emery will be with us at the end of this hour. And uh, Mark arrested in Montreal because of the cannabis culture stores that he opened in the city of Montreal, six stores. And Montreal police arrested him, criminally charged him now, released him. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, Mark and Jody have been on the show before. We talked to Mark when he was in prison in the United States. And um, my question to Mark is, you're not surprised. You can't be surprised that the Montreal police would react the way they did. But we're going to begin with, uh, with mainstream media. And a great deal has been said, and a great deal has been written, and a great deal has been tweeted, and a great deal has been commented on this program about mainstream media, and quite often how it related to the coverage of the United States federal election. And there was a lot of complaining that mainstream media in the U.S. was in the tank for Hillary Clinton. Anything and everything they could write or, or broadcast negatively about Donald Trump, they did. Then, of course, on Thursday, the president of the United States, the departing president, Barack Obama, turned around and blamed media for carrying juicy stories, I guess the WikiLeaks releases, uh, constantly to harm Hillary Clinton's campaign. So it all depends on where, where your support is, whether it's if it's for Donald Trump, maybe your position is the mainstream media has been in the tank for Clinton, if it's for Clinton... Mainstream media's position has been in the to support Trump, although I, I, I've seen very little, if any, evidence of that. So we're going to talk about mainstream media. We'll take some of your calls, and we've got a lot of comments in this country about our mainstream media. But to uh, kick it off for us is Jane Kirkley, professor of media ethics and law at the School of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Minnesota. Professor Kirkley has been a guest on this program many times as we've talked about media issues. Jane, thank you very much for making time. Roy, it's a real pleasure to be with you again. So, mainstream media, either in the tank for Hillary Clinton or in the tank for Donald Trump. Um, President Obama claimed media reported each piece of juicy gossip from WikiLeaks, but it wasn't juicy gossip. It was emails by Clinton staff and the Democratic National Committee about how they rigged the deck against Bernie Sanders, or at least some of it. And my sense was that media did choose sides in the U.S. election and with most unabashedly and without apology sacrificing reporting standards in an effort to elect Clinton. Am I seeing things properly or not? Well, I, I think there's some truth in your observation, some accuracy, but I, I think it's a little more nuanced than that. Um, going back really to when uh, Hillary Clinton secured the nomination, I think it is fair to say, and I really am saying this not to be disingenuous, that the mainstream media went into the mode that they typically do, which is to try to figure out if there are problems with either of these candidates. 
And there was extensive reporting about the Clinton Foundation and the alleged irregularities, um, you know, pay-for-play kind of stuff that allegedly occurred uh, when Clinton was still Secretary of State. That was recorded, uh, reported a lot. And certainly it's absolutely true that information about the emails and the fact of the hacking of the emails and so forth was also heavily covered. Now, was Trump covered a lot? Well, of course he was, but I think... That is certainly justifiable when you think of it in terms of the fact that although he was a, you know, celebrity, entrepreneur, businessman, as a political animal, he was essentially unknown. And so, of course, this was, as many people have put it, the bright, shiny object that was attracting the media because here you suddenly had this maverick who didn't want to follow the rules. He was great copy, and people, whether you loved him or hated him, were intensely interested in him. So there's no question that he was covered heavily. And frankly, I think that the Trump campaign played the media very, very effectively, um, getting lots and lots of free publicity. Um, He didn't have to buy advertising time. Hillary Clinton spent millions of dollars on advertising. He really didn't have to because even his rallies were being covered which in a typical election probably wouldn't have been. Press conferences, yes, but just the rallies that he was holding around the country would not typically be covered live, and yet they were on cable. Yeah, so obviously it depends on where you sit. But yeah. from my perspective, I think that the news media were acting, at least the mainstream media were acting the way they typically do, which is they're looking for issues. And whether those issues are big, small, justified or not, that's what they're going to be doing. And they're going to say that we're doing this because that's our job, to lift up the rock under which these candidates have been hiding and uncover whatever problems there might be. So the the next issue that I that I had with this, and it was something that I thought about throughout the campaign, I didn't say much about it on, uh, on the air, but I will now. I had a real feeling that mainstream media were heavily influenced by social media and mainstream media, particularly struggling print, trying to appeal to social media subscribers and sell them online subscriptions. And the way Absolutely to do that, right, right the way Absolutely to do that, true. and I think these papers believe, I think, is to be an echo chamber for prevailing winds of opinion on, so, on social media. I think you're absolutely right about that. I I don't know anyone who could disagree with that very accurate assessment in my judgment. The mainstream media are, as we've talked about in the past, in a major crisis, not just a financial one, but trying to figure out who they are and where they go and where they fit in. And I think, as we've discussed before, the reality of the social media world is that it's instantaneous and it's unfiltered. And many, many people, especially younger people, that's their source of information. And the mainstream media were desperately trying to catch up when they operate on a model that really just doesn't work that way. And so it's not all that surprising to me that they made a complete mess out of it because it's not the way they report news. And I think it did not serve anybody's interest. It certainly didn't serve their own interest. I mean, you mentioned the issue of whether the media supported uh, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. I guess I should just add as sort of a footnote that certainly most mainstream news organizations' editorial side endorsed Hillary Clinton, but that which you know some Americans don't necessarily agree with this, but the convention is what the editorial board does and what the news side does are two distinct things. And so you could certainly have your editorial board endorsing Hillary Clinton and still having the news side going after her. But I think the issue you're raising about being sort of the echo chamber of 
social media is to me a real abrogation of the responsibility of traditional news media who are not supposed to be putting out unfiltered information, who are supposed to be providing context, who are supposed to be verifying what they're reporting, not just saying that somebody just tweeted this or that this was just posted on Facebook, but to make some attempt to find out whether it's true or not. Um, obviously, there are exceptions if we're talking about breaking news or something like that. But in terms of this campaign, I just thought that it was really reprehensible that the mainstream media were essentially playing follow the leader, and the leader were were those in social media, some of whom I'm sure were engaging in what we might consider to be responsible reporting, but as we're learning now, many of whom were engaged in disinformation of various uh, kinds, or if they weren't deliberately trying to be inaccurate, they were simply being inaccurate because they they didn't know how to go Mm -hmm. about verifying or didn't think they had any responsibility to verify something before reporting it. And what they would do often in uh, major newscasts, Jane, is they would have a little segment set aside to report on what was actually being talked about, if you will, on uh, on 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 social media, so that What's it actually became yeah. it, it became part of the, uh, the story lineup. Please hold on. We're going to come back with more with Professor Jane Kirtley, Professor of Media Ethics at the University of Minnesota, and then we'll open up the phone lines to you and your sense and your level of trust and belief in uh, mainstream media. I think it's taken a hit in 2016, but we'll find out. It's the Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Passionate, patriotic, a little bit pugilistic, and always professional. Hear what Roy Green has to say on the Chorus Radio Network. You can follow me on Twitter at the Roy Green Show and uh, listen back anytime to anything we air at RoyGreenShow.com on the web. Professor Jane Kirtley, University of Minnesota, media ethics and the law professor, with us. And we're talking about mainstream media and the impact mainstream media has had and continues to have, but particularly in 2016. Jane, if uh, if we uh, if we agree that mainstream media were influenced by social media and particularly print with the intent of trying to persuade mainstream media players to subscribe to their online services, then we have to get to whether or not accuracy and reporting standards were sacrificed to the bottom line. Ethics and believability is all media have to sell. And if you compromise those pillars, and it would be like an auto manufacturer marketing a car without brakes, you're causing yourself ultimately, I think, more problems than you're resolving. Absolutely true. I mean, one of the, it, the the parallel I would draw would be to my students who might be tempted to plagiarize something and turn it in because that would be expedient. But of course, if they get caught, they've failed the course. They've been reported to the academic misconduct board. They basically ruin their academic careers. And I think you know there there are sometimes things that are perceived as cheap fixes, but they basically undermine the only thing you have to to offer, which is your integrity. And again, the ability that historically the mainstream media has at least said that it had, which is to verify 
to uh, do what uh, some scholars have called the journalism of verification, to try to make sure that what you're reporting is true and to correct any mistakes as, as soon as you recognize that you've made them. Because, of course, mistakes are made, and, and everybody understands that can happen. But um, there's really no excuse for it in, in this particular environment where a lot of the errors, I think, that were made along the way, uh, they, were, they were not particularly time-sensitive. It was just driven by this notion that, well, Twitter's out there right now, or Facebook's out there right now, or whatever the case might be, and, and we have to compete with them and, and drag the eyeballs away so that we get clicks to our site. And it's, it's not working. Um, I mean, even under the journalism students that, that I'm teaching, they are not getting their news from the mainstream media, and I don't see any probability that they're going to go back to that. I mean, they, they never were there, and then this is not going to, to attract them. So it's a fool's errand, and I think uh, really unfortunate, because what it has done is it's played into the hands of those who, I believe, for many, many years on both the left and the right, have made it their mission to try to discredit the tr conventional media as a news source. Um, again, there's much to criticize there. I'm not saying that there isn't, but the fact remains that this um, complete, it's more than skepticism. I mean, it's complete cynicism and disbelief on the part of many people now in the United States towards any form of mainstream media, to me, is very destabilizing and, and very dangerous to a democratic republic, because if there isn't at least some sense that we have some shared belief that there are some basic facts that we can all agree on, I, I don't know where we go from here. Uh, how can you start a discussion, a conversation, how can you move forward as a country if no one can believe uh, anything? Uh, essentially. And whether you're on the left or the right at the moment, nobody seems to believe what the other side is saying. It's it's still such a fractionated uh, society. And, you know, whatever Mr. Trump may or may not be able to do, he does not seem to me, at least so far, to be reaching out very much to those who opposed him in the election. Mm. Uh, I spoke to a, a number of people here in Canada, and I asked them if they could name one U.S. major network news anchor just the United States news anchors, not one. It doesn't surprise me. You know, the the era that, that I grew up in of people like uh, Huntley Brinkley, Walter Cronkite, um, you know, those the, the people that are anchoring the evening news now, I think, are more on a par with the uh, British tradition of, of newsreaders. They are not really seen as the voices of, of wisdom and experience. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that Walter Cronkite was perfect or Huntley and Brinkley were perfect by any means, but they had earned the trust of the public, and that degree of trust just doesn't seem to translate to the people who are, you know, uh, frankly, I mean, it, it's such a cliche, but it's true. They seem to be more concerned about what clothes they're wearing on camera, um, you know, showing how trendy and current they are, sitting at the anchor desk right. with their Kindle in one hand. And it's just, I mean, it, it does not, in, in anybody's mind, I don't think, uh, create a sense of trust and authority. All right. Jane, thank you so very much for the time. I wish you the best for Christmas in 2017. To you as well, Roy. Roy, thanks so much. All the best. Professor Jane Kirtley from the University of Minnesota professor of ethics, media ethics, and the law. My number is 1-800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. And you heard what Dr. Kurt, uh, Dr. Kirtley said. There doesn't seem to be the trust factor in mainstream media, certainly in her experience, with her students and in the United States generally. And why is that? 1-800-263-2428 is the number, 1-800-263-2428. My question to you is, do you think media are biased? 
do you believe mainstream media are biased? Um, and get, can you give me an example of where bias took place? 1-800-263-2428. Do you trust mainstream media? Yes or no? We'll come back. <laughs> 